If you have your Bible, I'm going to let you turn to two places today. Um, one is in Acts chapter 16, the other in Ephesians chapter 2. Acts chapter 16 and Ephesians chapter 2 are the two places we're going to camp out a lot. We're going to see um, and be all through Scripture today, but that's where we're, we're, we're going to stand. Um, I want to let you know the next few weeks, and by few weeks I mean four or five weeks, we're actually going to camp in Acts chapter 16. Uh, and so get ready for it. It's, it's a journey. It leads into one of the most incredible books of encouragement, the book of Philippians, uh, that we'll read in the New Testament. But, but beyond that, I want to let you know, over the last few weeks, I have become captivated with the stories. Um, I, I've, I've always enjoyed the book of Acts, but in the last few weeks, I've just started seeing how beautiful the book of Acts is in regards to the church. And, and what we ought to know about ourselves really shines through in Acts chapter 16. It's, it's a reminder, it's an invitation, um, it's a sweetness. Uh, and over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing this said a lot, that the world doesn't write your story. And I'm not certain that we can, can say that enough to where it can sink in because the world is desperately trying to do just that. It's, it's desiring, it's trying to write your story. And, and I, I, I was no point more aware of that than yesterday morning. I'd met a, a friend uh, to meet at a, a restaurant for, for just a, a soda and to talk about what God's doing in our life and, and those things. And um, as we were leaving, a, a gentleman uh, said something to me. and We just struck up a conversation. A uh, very nice family um, confessed Christ. And, and, and after I asked him, you know, because I'm, I'm a, Omar is like super tactical. I just say, when someone says something, I, I just want to say, man, when you say that, are you a Christ follower? Do you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so we cut to it. People normally run out screaming or whatnot, but um, not really. But, but they said, yes, yes, we are. And I said, oh, that's amazing. Praise God. So what does that mean to you? And so they shared with me a good, a good definition of what it means to, to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And by good, I just mean biblical and and then I said something that triggered my story. I said, that's amazing. Where do you gather for worship with other believers? Do you have a church home? And the words very quickly off of this is super incredible family reminded me of my story. They said, well, yes, technically. I thought, I know that. Do you know what it's like to have technically a church home? That's part of my story. Um, we, we jumped around to churches to whoever had the best VBS and snacks. Amen. Um, I've, I've been a part of charismatic Methodist Presbyterian, went to CDC at a Catholic church one time for a great snack night. I mean, we did it all. And, and my mom and dad were committed from the time a certain age happened on. We, we had a church home that we were faithful to, but, but our, our home was not always um, this peaceful, easy feeling kind of thing. Um, whether you know my story or not, just a little bit about me. I, I, I have uh, three brothers, two brothers and a sister, so there's four of us all together. There's six people in my home growing up. Um, in, uh, when I was seven years old, uh, we went bankrupt and the uh, the bank took over our house and all of our possessions. And so um, we rented houses wherever jobs were from the time I was seven until the time I moved into my first house as a married 
uh, adult. Um, we moved next door one year. We lived in a house one year, and then we moved next door, borrowed the neighbor's four-wheelers on trailers and scooted around. We lived in five houses in that subdivision over about a seven-and-a-half-year period. Uh, we were the definition of, of bouncers. Um, my mom and dad did all that they could when we had money to make sure that we knew what life was like. But there were summers where you could guess what lunch was going to be every day and dinner was probably going to be as well because eggs were cheap. And so egg salad sandwiches. You will never be invited to my house to have egg salad sandwiches. My brothers and my sisters won't invite you over either because that was what we could afford. You made do and then you went out. When we had money, we, my dad would sponsor kids to go to camp. That was often, uh, as not very often, more often was the case is where we needed help to go to camp. Um, my dad didn't like that. Um, he, he knew the Lord, um, but there's something about pride, getting help from others or asking someone for a scholarship. Um, stability and financial, and the word finances, did not um, execute in my story at all through my life. Um, I grew up living in a certain part of our subdivision and everyone who had more lived somewhere else. We didn't have lifelong friends so much at the time because we bounced around. In the middle of all of that, there was a tension of faith in my home. Although my mom and dad both professed faith, but my mom um, taught Sunday school and, and she, was, she was engaged. And my dad never prohibited us from going to church. And I would tell you, my dad passed away a few years ago. He died proud that the Lord allowed me to surrender to ministry. But growing up, um, my mom often may have looked like a single mom at church if you didn't know her with the kids in the pew. Do any of you have a story? Like, I'm, it's not amazingly special, it's just me. And I, and I started to think, if, if I were to play this story out, um, I, I would live for financial stability because I don't want my children to have to go through the things that I felt. Um, I remember the, the, the desire. My first car was in such bad shape when you honked the horn, it killed all the electronics in the car. My friends had cool cars. You know, I just, if, if I were in charge of my story, if the world was in charge of my story, I would have taken the pen in my hand and said, it will not be that way. Have you tried to take the pen of your story into your own hand? Even more so. Have people around you tried to take the pen of your story to tell you what life should look like, what success would look like? Have you ever taken the pen of your story in your own hand and held it up to God and said, you'll be happy, the world will be happy if I can just live out my story that I write for you. Listen, I've been aware my whole life, and maybe as much today as ever, of the reality that man is sinful and we are horrible story writers. So we tend to write our life 
in a series of what ifs, what might have been, what could have happened. Have you ever written with that pen? I mean, Disney's trying to do it right now, right? They're building a movie, a cinematic direction based on the possibilities if your life was written differently. We watch in Afghanistan a, a, a Taliban, a group of, of, of people who desire to write the story of everyone around them regardless of what those around them think. We can look at the, the caste system in Hindu that, that parks you in a category and allows you to only live your story out in their boundaries. We can look at our own history as a country, can't we? Of how with whatever intentions may be deceitfully best we've told people how we can write their story church whether it is an oppressive regime where there is a ruling system or even if the person who holds the pen in your hand is you I want you to know something that your story might take a detour but it will end up in the same place what ifs wanting if only but it doesn't have to be that way that's what acts chapter 16 is all about you see because if i was always in charge of my story that's where i would be standing today because as you can even know and see my story is as real to me as your story is as you but I want to let you know there's a reason our stories end in questions and what ifs and insufficiencies Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 we'll read through the first two words of verse 4 this is what the Bible says and you he can be talking to me but he's talking to you too and you were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind verse 4 first two words but God you know there's there's a reason why man no matter who you are man woman boy or girl people ruling system caste systems religious systems there is a reason why no matter who holds the pen if it is a man a fallen creator creation it always ends in the same spot because regardless of how free you think you are outside of Christ you are simply a follower the Bible says you're, you're a follower of the spirit of the air of the prince of power living for the passions of your flesh of the body the desires of the body and the mind in other words you are a slave to that with which you cannot escape from see no matter 
who we are, no matter how good the intentions are, no matter how long the spells are between the parts of our story that we don't like and the parts that we do. If a man holds the pen, if a woman holds the pen and is writing out your story, it will lead to the same spot. Acts chapter 16 is about two words, but God. But God. The world doesn't write your story, or at least it doesn't have to. That's the story in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 16. Today and, and over the next few weeks, we're just going to look at the beauty of God at work. And my prayer is, is that you receive something from it, even though you may not identify exactly with every person in the, in the track, in the journey, because there's a message of encouragement. There's a message of Christ. It's a message of the church that will bleed into your story. You see, I have some things in common with those in Acts chapter 16, but not everything. So when we look at that, let's just jump in and see the first story that's given over to God. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. Remember, he's, he's finished mission circle one. He's going back mission circle number two. And there was a disciple named Timothy. A disciple named Timothy. When you think of Timothy, church peoples, if you have a reference for who Timothy is, just pause for a moment. What comes to mind when you think of Timothy? What, what jumps in your, in your circle? To me, it's all kinds of good things. Like I want my son to grow up to be like Timothy that I think of him in the Bible. Right? In, in, in the Bible, Timothy has a mother and a grandmother who are devoted to the faith and who invest Jesus in him invest the Lord it, Timothy had a guy named Paul in his life to look up to who, who led him to faith in Jesus Christ didn't just drop a Jesus bomb on him and walk away and say find a good church that when he spoke the gospel said I'll stick with you I'll show you the way he didn't just hear the gospel from Paul but he was mentored by Paul in fact, the Bible will say that Paul loved him like a son. The Bible would say that Paul found him faithful as a companion. Scripture would say that Paul commissioned him as a leader. Oh, man. I want a discipler like that in my life. Timothy had it, had it all. A grandmother and a mom who were passing down the faith Paul, a, a man who took him under his wing and, and built him up. Some of the passages that jump out to my mind that, that Paul wrote, I wrote them down. Listen to these, these sayings that are shared with us because of Timothy. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. That was Paul to Timothy, his son, the Lord. Fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life for which you were called about which the good confession of the presence of many witnesses let no one despise you for your youth but be an example he told to timothy in speech conduct love faith and purity that's just in part of the first letter there's so much more second letter 
For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. He then says, but I'm not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he's able to guard until the days entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Why? So that the believer may stand firm, the man of God may be complete and equipped for everything. I mean, this is some of the goodness that I think of when I think of Timothy. This guy must have had it all. If I had Timothy's background and someone like Paul in my life, then maybe I could, if I could just write that in, but Lord, my story's different, we might say, because when you think of yourself, when you look in the mirror and you think of the backdrop of your story, what do you think of? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Paul writes, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. That verse was a normal verse to me until the past couple of weeks. You see, I wonder when Timothy looked in the mirror if he saw a vessel of silver and gold or of wood and clay. I mean, he had like the best teacher ever in Paul. His mom and grandma loved the Lord and poured into him. He got to go on amazing journeys and see God work. See, maybe when you look at scripture, maybe you thought of Timothy as a gold and silver treasure of God. And, and that may be how God sees him, but I don't think that that's how Timothy saw himself. I think when he read those words from Paul, I can't imagine tears not falling from his eyes because I really believe he saw himself more as clay and wood. He didn't have the pedigree of Paul. He didn't have the first contact of the apostles. You see, Timothy's backstory church is really one that the world would say today is not only stacked against him, but a reason why he shouldn't go to church. The reason why he shouldn't pour into this faith. Church, I want to let you know, I, I started doing the, the books as I prayed over this morning. Timothy has two main parts to his backstory that we overlook, and they're an invitation to us. One part is one that I know between 15 and 20% of our church family identify with directly. The other part I think is even more than that. Here's what I mean. Just go back to God's word. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. And listen closely, because our world and Timothy's world would have said, you don't fit. Acts chapter 1 says this. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Did you catch it? Luke, Dr. Luke, the detailed recorder on purpose by God, who doesn't leave out a moment, not, not, a, not a dot or a tittle. He makes sure we know one thing about Timothy 
and he absolutely leaves out another part. You see, Timothy was a mixed-race child from a mixed-race home where a mixed faith was preached. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever glazed over Scripture and missed it? You see, because in, in Paul's time, being, being from a mixed ethnic background was not like being a bridge to two worlds. Amen? It meant not fitting in in either. It meant that the Jews would look down on you because the relationship your mom started with someone else. Because you weren't practicing faith as, as they would have shown you. You just, you couldn't ever be clean because your dad was a Greek. He would have been rejected by his own race. The Greeks wouldn't have accepted him. I mean, on his own, I mean, he was a citizen technically, but he wasn't one of them. And, and you can't take out faith in the circle of this mix because to be a Jew was to practice the faith and to be Greek was to be open-minded stacking it all together Timothy came to know Jesus Christ as an adult not as a child at best he would have been in the upper teens but the reality is he was converted by Paul in the first missionary journey and there's probably only a year or two between trip one and trip two. Timothy wasn't raised to beat the odds. He was, he was raised to survive. And I believe wholeheartedly if he would have taken hold of his story or his mom or his dad or the world around him would have started writing that pen back to anyone but God that he would have had no place. But God. Church this morning I have gotten to witness something that does seem to be changing in the world but must be invited by the church in, in a huge way an embracing of, of what God is doing but there's an old truth that I see filter through it's, it's alright to mingle but it's alright to mix ethnicities together and that's a lie from the pit of hell but one that the world seems to embrace I've had people stand in church buildings and they've asked me questions that ask why in the world 
would one culture adopt a child from a different culture? Can't people just watch for their own? I've, I've heard... I've heard people dressed in sweet linens and clothes give a discouraging look to a child who shares their skin color but doesn't speak their language. They're losing their culture. Church, I need you to know that when fallen men and fallen women are given the pen to write your story that they will write it to the same end and church you and I are not the writers of anyone's story including our own it's simply God we must look different we must be Christ to the nations because when I look around our church family, I see the evidence of but God in each pew. Church, are we willing to see what God has done is better? Look at verse 2 and verse 5 of Acts chapter 15. This is different. Acts chapter 2, he, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now look at verse 5. Don't glance over these. They're great. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Church, here's what I want you to know. What the world would say is unacceptable. What the world would say doesn't match our opinion, our standard. This isn't God. God says, I can redeem for the strengthening of the bride of Christ, for the furtherance of the kingdom. And the reputation that is sour with sin can be sweet with the Savior. Church, this is dramatically different because this is the gospel. The gospel is the story of Jesus Christ at work. How he died so that we can die from the sin and the pen writing of the world and he raised so that we could have new life a young man because of a mixed faith and a mixed race who the world would not have gave the pen to the almighty and he began to write there's neither Jew nor Greek slave or free there is no male or female you are all one in Christ it doesn't mean that God doesn't love the shades and genders he created what it, what it means is get your eye off of stupidity give me the pen because in me you're one Paul would write in Philippians to the church that was birthed there just after calling Timothy. If there's any, if there's any ounce of the Spirit working in you, if there's anything there, be one. Be one, church. 
He would inspire this through, through Peter and say, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness to his marvelous light church that wasn't written to the race as the world means it, but to the people of God. You see, because God redefines things. In our own world, when we don't fit in, we herald, take the pen in your hand, rewrite who you are. We write where you've been. Cover your past. Make a new future. But what Jesus says is, put the pen down. And watch what it does in the hands of the Almighty. Church, Timothy that we read about at the beginning that we think about at the end with his hand his pen in the hand of the almighty God he finds himself understanding the almighty God of all creation the one who was and is and is to come is not about ethnic purity but spiritual holiness church we must let the Lord Almighty rewrite our stories but that wasn't all and maybe more of you can realize or connect with this one and, and although my, my mom and dad were both Christ professing um, followers my mom much more devoted because I will tell you, and mom, maybe you feel it. Maybe you're the one bringing your family to church each week and, and your husband showed up today for the first time. Maybe, maybe you've made that journey all these years hoping and praying that Jesus Christ would do a work or that at least he would protect your child because here's this interesting thing about the faith in Timothy's home. His dad was not supportive. How do I know? It's, it's not an opinion, it's just word. Look with me in verse three. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his dad was Greek. Not only did Peter, did, did Luke leave out that, that his dad was anything, the fact that, P, that, that Timothy had made it to adulthood and not been circumcised was a sign of what the dad thought because to be circumcised to a Jew was to be a professing person of the covenant people. And for a dad to prohibit his child who is Jewish or part Jewish to experience that belonging was a rejection of faith. And so this is the world he grew up in. Can you picture it? I mean, maybe you don't have to. Maybe you live it. There would have been a struggle to allow him to worship. Getting to church early would have been crazy difficult. It would have all fallen on her if he was okay with it. It would have all fallen on mom to get the kids ready, to make sure they had breakfast, to make sure they got to, to Bible study, to make sure they heard the word. And the dad probably felt like he was being generous by tolerating it. 
Anybody grow up in a home like that? Or maybe, no hands, or maybe that's the home you're in now. And your fear as much as anything is for the salvation and the life of your child. Lord, is his story being written by an unbelieving loved one? And let me tell you the encouragement here to you today. Moms, dads, maybe you rode your bike here. I remember doing that as a kid. Maybe no one at home. Here's what I want you to know. That Timothy, in that world, came to follow Christ, was well spoken of by all the believers, and God used him to strengthen the church and they increased their numbers daily. How do you do it? Well, Timothy's mom stayed consistent. I wrote down two words. Timothy's mom was both firm in faithfulness and submissive in relationship. She was firm in her faithfulness to the Lord, but she was submissive in the home as an example. And, and how, how does that work? How do you stay faithful in, in this home that is broken? And, and the reality is that Eunice, his mom, probably came to know Christ as an adult as well. How did she stay faithful in broken faith and still stand firm in her faith? Look at 2 Timothy 1.5. It says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Paul writes to Timothy, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now, and I am sure dwells in you as well. In other words, the Lord had called Timothy's mom to be faithful in her marriage, a witness, but to stand firm to ensure that the word of God was invested in her children. Church, today I want to let you know if this is your home and you're thinking my children are handicapped because X, Y, or Z, I want you to know when God is writing the story, there's no handicap to be found. Because of this, church, our Heavenly Father is incomparably more influential than an earthly parent. Incomparably, especially with one whose heart is for the world. Proverbs 3 came to mind and it says, listen, I wrote my notes the wrong thing, so I'm going to have this out here. But hide your word in my heart. I apologize, church. Sorry. Let your steadfast love and faithfulness not forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on your heart. Verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Check it out. Trust. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings, but in all of your ways, acknowledge or submit to Him, and He will make straight your paths. Church, if you are a mom or dad in a relationship of marriage 
where you are concerned about the handicapping of your children's faith. Stand firm, trust the Lord, be faithful, and pass on your faith. Church, this week, I told someone earlier, I don't think I've made it out of this passage without weeping before the Lord for his beauty. Because none of this is about really us. It's about what happens when God takes over the pen in our life. It's about what happens when his people sit back and in awe follow the author and perfecter of our faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead even when we were in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and he raises us up with him seats us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no man can boast because we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that the world, that we should walk in them. Church, I... I want you to know something. If you have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, leave the pen in his hand. Trust his love for you that was great enough to offer salvation is more than sufficient to write an enduring, beautiful story. maybe today you stood far off from Jesus because the world has painted Christianity through an ethnic or racial painting today in the reading of God's words you've heard something different that how God made you was not a mistake. It was for a purpose. So if you have never given the author back his pen today because he loves you, he offers the invitation. Trust me. Believe that I loved you so much I gave my only son that you might know a different story an eternal unending story and if you have run into an unbelieving parent who acts or has said the right things but their life shows other if you've run into a church that's rejected you because of your home life is a mess 
or because of the color of your skin. I want you to know at best that was fallen Christians still in the process of being redeemed. But it's wrong. Church, I'm just looking around the room. The author has taken the pen and wrote you into this moment. And there's not only a place for you in the body of Christ, there's a purpose. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. God, I've been wrecked all week. by the beauty of your handwriting. Father God, I, I am thankful for the Timothys in this room who come from mixed faith homes that are spiritually broken and you have redeemed them and called them for your purpose. Father God, I praise you for the men and women and children in this room. Lord, who physically have parents from different backgrounds or maybe they don't look like their parents. But when they look in the mirror, they see you in the beauty of how you brought them together. So God, I pray against the handwriting of the world that would say that either of those things would keep us from knowing a full life in Christ. And God, if there's anyone in this room because of their backstory that they have been unwilling to submit to trust in the Lord with all of their heart, Lord, in this moment, will you give them a peace that surpasses all understanding? Would you allow them to submit their way to the Lord? That they may know life. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.